0: welcome to a word with tom Merritt. i'm tom Merritt, and if you've been listening to this show you know the spiel there's no end of people out there telling you what to think and some of them are worth listening to but there's no chance for all of us to be experts we have to take shortcuts so here we have a conversation and hopefully expose not what you should think but some examples of how we all think These are the kinds of conversations I've been having my whole life. I would go over to my Grandpa Carl's front room and talk about the news of the day. I'd go over to my Grandma Roxy's front room and talk about the stories of her life. I got lots of different ways of looking at the world and great conversations. And it was all training me for this moment right now. Welcome into the front room, Jennifer Briney.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, my gosh. Uh, Jennifer Briney, if you don't already know, is the host of an amazing show called Congressional Dish, uh, where you, I think, deserve one of those Catholic candles for saints, uh, the patron <laughs> saint of person who will actually read legislation. Um, you may be the only person in the world who actually reads the legislation, and, and I count the people who vote on the legislation amongst them, uh, and then try to explain it to us. Uh, and you do an amazing job. I'm a big fan.
1: Yeah, they definitely need a candle for masochists because that's what my face would be on.
0: <laughs> the patron saint of legislation and masochism. Yeah. Uh, but on one of your recent producers episodes, which is like your your episode for the folks who who support the show, uh, you mentioned that you are a fan of disaster movies.
1: Oh, yeah. Disaster movies, books, documentaries, pretty much anything about disasters, I'm 100% in.
0: I also share this affliction so I immediately shot off <laughs> an email uh to Jen uh and you you very readily agreed. So t- today's today's word is disaster but specifically uh the sort of fascination with it, right? Like the the yeah. sort of like why why are we attracted to the post-apocalyptic or or the the ruins or or the tornadoes or 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 anything like that.
1: Yeah. Well, should I get into like my diagnosis of why I think I'm a sicko like this?
0: Let's go right to it, like because listen, I I'll put it out there there uh, at at the beginning. I, I I realized I had a problem when uh, we were living in the Bay Area, and I insisted uh, to my wife that we had to see the movie 2012 on opening day. <laughs> Uh, and not only that, but we were like stuck in this horrible line because it was holiday shopping season, trying to get into the mall where the movie theater was. And I, and she was like, can we just like go see it another day? I'm like, no, no, we have to see it now.
1: (laughs) So I felt the same way about that movie, but I was more about like, not necessarily the timing, but the screen had to be like maximum intense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it was,
1: yeah, IMAX for sure. Um, I don't think they had 3D back then. I definitely did I Titanic in 3D. Option. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think I did 2012. I don't know. I was almost certainly under the influence of marijuana. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I can't remember, but I just remember like the screen was huge. I was sitting right in the middle. It was amazing. I mean, that movie's ridiculous, right? Um, my husband gets so mad at that movie, because he's like, the storyline's ridiculous. And I'm like, it's not about the storyline. It's about watching the world burn. Exactly. Like, accept it for what it is. Oh,
0: I, <laughs> I just had a shiver of relaxation when you said that. Like, yes, no, it's, of course, it's stupid when the earthquake chases people. And, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. that's not what it's about. It's it, What is it, though? What do you think it is that is is so appealing?
1: Well, I mean, in, when I think of 2012, I think I'm Woody Harrelson. Mm -hmm. Like, I am that person that wants to see it, and I'm not necessarily afraid. In fact, I'm kind of comforted by how insignificant I am and how powerful nature is. Like, I kind of enjoy feeling that small. So when these things happen, I'm just in awe of the power of things that are so much more powerful than me, mainly being Earth. And even like the solar system too. I mean, it's all so big and amazing.
0: Oh yeah. You can put in your deep impacts and your (laughs) black holes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just watched Armageddon for like the 50th time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I think there's something to that, that um, is similar to horror movies, which I'm, I I like horror movies fine, but I'm not a huge horror movie fan. Um, And the people I know who are huge horror movie fans tend to say they like feeling scared because of the relief right you get you get the relief after being scared and that's the rush i wonder if it's something similar with disaster movies where we're we're seeing the loss of any possible control and it just is so such a relief to be like well you couldn't possibly do anything you know at that point so you know it's i don't know is it's like a burden taken off our shoulders perhaps
1: yeah, maybe. But this started with me before I had any burdens. Like, I know when this started, I was like six years old, so all of my needs were taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, Doesn't mean I, you can't have
0: anxiety when you're six, but... Oh,
1: I definitely had that in spades. Yeah. I, it's interesting. I'm not sure, because huh. I, I, my first um, disaster that made me even aware that this type of thing was possible was a tornado. I was born in Denver, Colorado. And the tornado, it didn't hit our neighborhood, but it hit close enough. It was only a couple streets down Mm -hmm. and there were these giant trees and like, obviously I'm sick. So they're even bigger, you know, they're just magical giant trees that got ripped out of the ground. Like they were like, they were blades of, of grass. And so when my parents drove us down that street to like, check out that damage, I was just so, I was so amazed that wind Could do that.
0: That anything could do that. Yeah.
1: That anything could do that. And it just made me feel insignificant in a good way
0: Uh where it was like,
1: oh, okay, like I'm not the center of this universe. Like I just feel like I knew that from the time I was very young. So it's like I don't take myself that seriously and never really have. And I think that's maybe a part of it is my awareness of like what I do. Grand yeah. scheme of things doesn't matter I'm fungus on a rock flying through space
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's not I want to say it's a freedom from responsibility, but that makes it sound like you're being irresponsible because it's and it's not that it's 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 freedom from it's a freedom of a sort what, what kind of freedom is it though? I can't p- quite put my finger on it.
1: For me, it's a freedom to just know that I have one life to live and Mm -hmm. whatever I do with it, it like doesn't matter. (laughs) So it gave me a freedom throughout my entire lifetime of being like, and like, obviously I'm doing a job that I think does do good in the world. So it's not even just like, oh, like I can do stuff that's terrible. But at the end of the day, I can chase happiness with reckless abandon because two generations from now, no one's even going to remember that I exist, (laughs) you know, it's just like, I'm so small. Um, also just like living each day in the moment, because when a tornado, just like this random wind thing can come and rip up your house, it's like, Oh, okay. That can happen at any time. I can't predict it. And I know that scares people, but for me, I think I just kind of got some comfort in it where it was like, okay, I'm on this ride until I lose this game. Like, let's go. (laughs) Like it's, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a yeah. selection principle. You're you're st- I'm still here. It, it did that to those trees, but I'm still here.
1: Yeah. And I I look at life that way like it's all a big game, right? And so one of the things I really like about disaster films and the documentaries and the books and everything is that I feel like I have knowledge in how to better play the game mm. in terms of these disaster scenarios. Because I've paid such close attention and um, and I've seen like I've physically seen scenarios that I haven't actually had to experience, but have thought like, what would I do? Mm-hmm. And I am so well trained in that. I feel like that in actual emergencies, I'm usually the coolest cucumber in the room. And I think that has a lot to do with it.
0: I wonder that it's so interesting because there's a couple of things that parallel in my experience to yours. One is when I was seven, we had a tornado rip the roof off of the elementary school gym. Uh, and I was at school, uh, and I, I remember Stop having it. to go, go into the hall and, you know, put our hands over our heads. Uh, and it was a similar thing where I didn't experience the tornado doing it. I just remember going into the hall and there was the alarm going off and everything. And then we heard wind and then we went back into the classroom, but we weren't allowed to go to recess that day. And for a year or more after that, because it was 1977, there was asbestos (laughs) littered all over the the playground (laughs) (laughs) and, and it was pieces of the roof, but that had just been scattered. And, and so I wonder if, if i had never really thought about it until you mentioned the thing about the trees but i wonder if that was the same thing where i was so fascinated like oh i was here when that happened like i remember thinking like oh well that didn't really happen to me and my parents being like well you kind of did you, you were in the building you know uh, yeah. and and yet being fascinated with the with the destruction right with the fact that there were pieces of the of the roof uh, all all over the place so i i, I think maybe that That is another a reason that I got fascinated with that as a young age. And I also feel like as I'm very different from you in the fact that I I don't like to take a lot of risks. Uh, I'm very cautious. But at the same time, if there's if there's stuff that goes down, I do tend to stay calmer than I should or than than most people would think I would.
1: Yeah. Um, and I'm actually not a risk taker. It's funny. People think that because I travel all the time and I just do things spontaneous, like I'm spontaneous, but I'm not a risk taker. Um, Mm -hmm. in fact, yeah, there's a a last minute. Yeah, there is. I was just on a last minute trip to Cancun, which some people think would be crazy, but I was in the pool discussing how like if I have a choice of three options and they're all good, I'm going to pick the safest one, even if that's not the most fun. And I think it's because I'm constantly playing this game of like, okay, how much risk is worth it here? Because like, I could lose the game if I do this one. So like, I'm just constantly calculating, because that's what it is in all these disaster movies, right? It's like, who at each step makes the right call, right? Because if you take a left and that other person takes a right, and they get hit by the pole, like they lose. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: it's, yeah.
1: It's one step after another. So yeah, I don't take a lot of risk. I'm, I'm curious though, because you said in your childhood experience, you used the word fascinated. Did you ever need counseling or anything like that for what you went through? Or were you kind of okay?
0: I mean, I don't know if I needed it or not. It was never offered.
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, me too.
0: <laughs> But I don't. I I would guess that where I probably need counseling for a lot of things in my life, that wasn't one of them. Like yeah. I never, I never felt traumatized or scared by that event. Yeah, I, I think I know what you're getting at, which is I never woke up screaming in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, I lived through a tornado or anything. I, I it, like I said, I I almost felt like well, it really didn't happen to me. It happened to the the roof of the school. And I was just in. I almost felt like a fraud saying like I was in a tornado because I'm like nothing happened yeah. to me. I was I'm fine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I identify with that completely. I I don't. I know that some people would be in an experience like that, especially as a child in an elementary school, and would have trauma that lasts a lifetime. Yeah. Because it came that close. And you and I are not those creatures.
0: <laughs> no. I, like I like I said, I almost feel like it. it can I? I'm like I should. If I had been in a tornado, I would I would have trauma from it, right? So I must not have been in a tornado, and but but then maybe you know, my parents are like, no, it, it, you really were. It was there, like you know, it didn't hit you or anything. But you don't have to be hit by one to be in one. I think.
1: Well, so the thing is, though, it might not necessarily be a traumatic experience because one of my crazy fantasies that like don't put it past me is to buy a property in like Oklahoma and put in like, you know, the concept of a glass bottom boat. Yeah. I'm thinking of like a glass top tornado shelter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So make it real (laughs) strong,
1: (laughs) make it really strong, make it definitely see through so that I can lay there and just watch my house disappear. Like, I feel like that would be the coolest thing ever. (laughs) In which case like being in that. Yeah wouldn't be traumatic. And the reason is because I would have prepared so well mm-hmm. and have guaranteed my safety that when you get hit with that thing, it's not necessarily the worst.
0: So you are a risk taker in the sense that the least risky thing to do wouldn't be not to do that. <laughs> right? Like yes. don't don't build <laughs> don't build a house in Oklahoma <laughs> and Tornado Alley at all. That would be the least risky. But but you're a You're a, uh, I would call you a perspicacious risk taker. Like you're going to do everything you can to prevent the risk from getting at you.
1: Yes. Yes. I would put it that way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I definitely put myself in harm's way. Like, um, uh, Kilauea, that volcano in Hawaii, that's just been erupting since like the early eighties. Well, a few years ago it was doing a lava they called it like a lava tube because it was or the lava fire hose because it was going straight into the ocean. It was like a fire hose of lava. Oh, yeah, it was so I can't cool. remember seeing
0: video of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I went out there and so I, um, I had 24 hours on the big island. And so I took a boat that went, it took about 45 minutes to get to the shore. So because I wanted to see the lava like up close or whatever. So I do that, goes great. And then like, I don't know, less than a year later, I want to say six months later, Kilauea really pops off. Now this is when it like ate those neighborhoods. Uh-huh. I think this is like 2019. Yeah, yeah. That same boat went to do what it does every day to check out the lava and something exploded underneath the water. Oh, wow. A rock goes flying into the air and a lava rock lands in some chick's lap on that boat. Oh. I know. And like when you get on the boat, the, the waiver is so clear. It goes, you could die. And I just like signed it. I was like, let's go.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. There is something. And so I, I think it's tied to liking watching disaster movies and documentaries and all of that. Of, But I want to see, I'm cu Maybe it's curiosity. Do you think yeah. of like, I just want to see it. I, I don't want to get harmed by it. I'm going to do everything I can to be, you know, to keep the tornado from tearing down my house. But I want to look at it. Like, I want to see it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's why I say that I'm Woody Harrelson because what would I do in that situation if I knew I was a goner, which like I pay enough attention to news and science like I I think I'd be pretty good to be a, like, "Oh no, I'm living through this. I am going to climb to the top of the mountain and watch the asteroid or mm-hmm. you know, whatever it's going to be. If there's a nuclear war, like doing the same thing cuz I at least want to see the bombs go off and even if I go blind, who cares? Like I really do want to I want to see it. I'm not going to be the person who runs. I'm going to be watching.
0: I I remember uh being super fascinated with The Day After um that nuclear war movie that came out uh and and being shaken at the idea that like oh that could actually happen because I grew up fairly close to a, an air force base that was on the target list um but also wanting it's like oh but the people in the movie <laughs> lived right? They're mm-hmm. the, or at least the main characters did. And they got to see it. And I remember I was torn. I was like, I'm incredibly scared of that happening. But at the same time, how crazy would it be to see a mushroom cloud, you know, yeah. like to, to actually witness it. And I know people have, you know, tests and, and things like that.
1: Yeah. But to see the actual, you know, end of the earth. And a lot of times like movies like that, I find actually scarier. Because the concept of having a, a nuclear bomb drop in my lap and just be vaporized, like okay, yeah, you'll that never won't even
0: know, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: but I don't want to live through the famine. No, no, <laughs> that sounds horrible.
0: No, exactly. I two, two things come to mind. One is uh, I don't know if you know the band Uncle Tupelo. No. Uh, it's a, it was a, a, a kind of an alt country band in the 90s. Uh, that is, they did a cover of an actual 50s, uh, hymn, hymn called Atomic Power. Uh, and they did it sort of ironically, but the, the, the hymn from the fifties was, you know, uh, are you ready to mate your maker <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> because that atomic power is coming from you. And if you've made it right with God, you'll be fine. That was, those aren't the exact words, but that's the nature of the song. Uh, they did a version of that song in the nineties. And uh, the, the whole, the only reason I, I bring that up is one of my favorite memories of a road trip was driving through the white sands missile testing range in New Mexico alone, just driving cross country to meet a friend. And on my cassette tape, because it was the 90s, atomic power came up as I was oh, driving through. And I remember just constantly rewinding and playing it over and over as I drove through the missile test range, uh, because it was hilarious to me, you know, in my 20s to be, you know, yeah. All these signs that are like, you know, this is an active missile test range. Please pay attention to warning signs. Do not drive through if the barriers are down and all this stuff. And I'm just listening to atomic power over and over
1: again. Yeah. And like digging it and be like, where other people would be terrified of that. Yeah. I don't. And I don't know if that's like a sickness. Of, it is. I mean, I have people tell me that I'm sick for that. But at the same time, like, I love this part of myself. I get a kick out of it. All the time. It's, it's fun. Um, I actually think that it's, I like that bad things can happen to me and I can find the fascination with it. Mm -hmm. And I also, I mean, I've already said this, but just like the preparation, I just feel more prepared for crazy situations because I've thought through them. So like, here's a good example. Um, starting in, what was it? 2004 was the first time I think in my lifetime that we saw these globally impactful tsunamis. Mm -hmm. It was the Christmas one. That was the first one that I was really ever on my radar. Um, and I didn't understand the science behind it. I didn't understand why people wouldn't just run away. Like I just didn't get it. But then when the tsunami hit in Japan, the Japanese, they love their cameras. And so there were a lot of cameras that were just rolling and caught the whole tsunami. And so I've actually done it twice now where I watched the YouTube videos. They're like four or five hours long, but I watched the video of the tsunami. Mm-hmm. And so I saw how the the water went out first because a lot of um, fishermen died because they saw the fish flopping around when they went to collect them and then the water comes in. Well, now I understand that's a thing. So if I were to ever see the water go out, I understand what's going on here. And I also really understood the concept of the wave. It's not a wave. Mm -hmm. It's a wall of water that just keeps on coming. And you could see the water patterns. You could see who survived, which is kind of, I mean, it's awful that I'm watching real life human beings, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, their lives were not in vain because I'm learning lessons as I'm watching this. And so like the people that climbed up to the top of the tree or the people that ran for the concrete buildings, the wooden ones, like... All of this is data that's going in my head. And and so also with my obsession with earthquakes, like Dr. Lucy Jones, I would just eat up all of her reports in Los Angeles after every earthquake. And I just learned so much. I would just watch everything that she would do. And it's education and not just mental sickness. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I think. I think you're right. Because there's a line... Uh, at least for me, I'm assuming for you uh between like i I don't want to watch a beheading uh no. i' do, I don't want to watch a person die right i I don't want to see that uh but when it's overwhelming right when it's when it's something that is beyond anyone's control and it's not about individual uh it, it, there, the, we're not we're not talking about snuff films we're we're talking about disaster and certainly That is an issue, like you said, with when you're watching real footage, but, but even, even in fiction, I I don't want to see, you know, individuals suffer. I I want, but I am fascinated by the overwhelming force and the, the, you know, the, even the aftermath of like, okay, now Mm -hmm. that it's passed through what's left.
1: It's a, it's a thought experiment. Every Mm -hmm. time someone makes that art. And I appreciate seeing other people's art because my brain isn't always going to go to those same places, which is where the lessons come from, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because you, there's your instincts, which can be wrong, right? Mm-hmm. The instinct to go feed yourself uh, in a tsunami uh, is not the right instinct. Don't get the fish. Go the other, run the other <laughs> no. way, right? Too. When yeah. you're like, but there's nothing here. It's like, but there will be, right? So yeah. you know that. Yeah.
1: And you have to know that. So one game that my husband and I play, and I love playing this game, is when we just, I mean, we travel together full time. So there's a lot of moments we have just nothing to say to each other. And so in those moments, wherever we are, we'll like call out a disaster. It's earthquake a lot in California. We'll be like, earthquake, what would you do? And so we both think about it and then we share. And a lot of times I'll be like, oh, I would go, I'm thinking of a spot in BART in the Bay Area. I was going to mm. go underneath this little shelf thing. And Joe points out that there's glass right above it because mm. it was holding the maps. And he was like, you don't know if that's shatterproof or not. Like maybe there's a better space. And just, I didn't see it. That's where I would have gone. I would have lost the game. So, um, yeah, I'm just constantly practicing, I guess. In Do you head. have a
0: favorite, like a go-to one that you watch more than, more than once?
1: So when I think the one I've seen the most is Twister because ah. that I was obsessed with as a kid. I mean, I still can memorize the lines. Um, But right now my favorite one is San Andreas. <laughs> I love San Andreas. <laughs> it's so good.
0: That's that is the one where the earthquake chases, like it takes a turn and chases people. I think.
1: Well, it goes up the faults.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's it.
1: Yeah. And what's fascinating about that is like that science while they took it to an extreme, the concepts behind it were not entirely wrong. Mm-hmm. So I like that one too, where it's like, okay, because they do think it could go like a zipper mm-hmm. and um it wouldn't go that far. They don't think this is what I learned from Dr. Lucy Jones in this book I'm listening to, but they think it could go like a zipper basically from like Tijuana to about Bakersfield. That's a pretty long way. Yeah. Um And I didn't realize that that's how it works. So yeah, just again, like the concept of it. They went big, but the concept is just good. Like scientifically, plus I love the characters. The storyline isn't actually that bad. Um, yeah, it's and I don't like San Francisco. I lived there for years, and so to watch it get destroyed like that, <laughs>
0: there's there. Yeah.
1: yeah, I watch it a few times. Like when I get really mad at San Francisco BS, <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna watch San Andreas.
0: <laughs> I don't know that I ever. I don't know that I've ever taken part in too much schadenfreude as part of the disaster watching, but I do like seeing big things come down, generally speaking, (laughs) you know, like, uh, the the especially when they work in like an actual building demolition into the disaster movie and you know like not only is this serving a purpose in this story but it's real like that that was actually when they took down the stardust or whatever it is yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's always better when they can do something for real but the cgi's actually gotten really good yeah like compared i mean twister's actually twister was pretty good for 90s but now, I mean, 2012 is the perfect example of that. Like, if I just want to watch the world burn, like, that's the one. Cause there was, they did every disaster you can think of. And it was all visual effects. And like, that's probably my favorite just for, like, San Andreas is a good film. Mm-hmm. And 2012 is a good snuff film. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not that we like those, but. In the Disaster set,
1: Snuff. In, I like Disaster Snuff. In the Arena snuff. of
0: Disaster, exactly, exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I like Disaster Snuff, it's fine.
0: What about the day after tomorrow? That that's a go-to for me.
1: I like that one. Um I think there's a personal bias in it for me where so much of it is like cold issues and I hate like that's one area where I would be in real trouble because I'm a californian is where Mm -hmm. i was raised from the time i was six until like basically now um and i spend my life trying to make sure that i never experience below 60 degrees (laughs) just like travel around and i avoid it so with that movie with so much of it being cold survival i'm sure i should watch it more than i do but it just doesn't like get to me that
0: should but yeah i (laughs) i grew up in Illinois, went to school at the University of Illinois in Champaign, and the day my nose hairs were freezing once again while walking back from Murphy's pub, I swore Oof. I would live somewhere warm. <laughs>
1: uh, and now you're so, in LA, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. So it could work <laughs> both ways. Uh, but I think I like Day After Tomorrow because I'm warm when I watch it. Mm. And so there's that feeling of like, oh yeah, okay. I'm not I'm not there. I'm not I'm not being affected
1: yeah, but. I do like the first half of it, though, because it's mm-hmm. so connected to climate change and like the science. It planted some seeds for me. So now when I read climate science, the idea that the ocean circulation could be adjusted, that's oh, yeah. the one that planted that seed for me. And it's actually looking to be kind of legit. Um, so the science, even though it was made fun of at the time, the further time goes on, the more it's looking not quite as ridiculous. So I really enjoy the first half. Of what that movie,
0: do you? How much of the science do you need to work for you to enjoy a disaster story? Because um, I'm thinking of the you know the classic pairings like uh, vo- volcano and Dante's Peak <laughs> for its mm-hmm. example, or uh, what is it, Armageddon and uh, Deep Impact? Uh, there's always the the slightly more sciency one, like Deep Impact or or Dante's Peak, to the more Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: Yeah, I do appreciate the science being accurate. Like I, I can still enjoy the other ones, but I, I like I said, I approach these as and it, by accident, I'm not like doing this on purpose, but I do look at this as like there's preparation here. So if you're going to plant information into people's heads, like why not make it mm-hmm. accurate? Like it's if you're going to tell a story, tell the one that's closest to the truth, especially if it doesn't matter. But again, if you're trying to make Los Angeles have a volcano underneath, then you have to be ridiculous. So it depends on what you're trying to do, I guess. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. The, the I I look at it as a percentage mix right like there's going to be lots of things that are wrong in any movie just to make a good story so yeah. how much did they try to mix in some reality like day after tomorrow is not hewing to a scientific line yeah. it's riffing off of scientific theories and it that's that's fine i i think i'm like you though i do i do enjoy the dante's peaks the deep impacts more because i know like oh yeah no that that part that part's real. That part could happen. Uh, but I, I still enjoy a good, you know, just blow stuff up. It, I, I watch it in a different way, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's like a bonus that I enjoy. I wouldn't yeah. say that it's necessary, but I think I'm more, I think it's easier for me to get into the movie and really put myself in it if it's based on mm-hmm. something that I could see as my reality.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that makes a lot of sense. What about classic uh like you know earthquake or air, all those airport disaster movies of the 70s do you ever do you ever go watch old stuff like that
1: i have but the i mean i like the visuals so much and they just don't do it so like um earthquake was filmed at universal studios so i'm more familiar with the ride than i am the <laughs> <laughs> the movie so when i saw the movie the movie magic had already been spoiled for me. Cause I, I've been on the set, you know? So yeah, the old ones don't really, they don't do it for me because I'm not really in it for the storyline. I'm not in it for the characters. Like I'm in it for the visuals more than anything else. And they're just not that good.
0: I, what about you, I, I did love the towering Inferno back in the day though.
1: Oh, I haven't seen that one. It's I'll have to check that out.
0: It's a, uh, it's a you're stuck in a skyscraper that's on fire movie and how do you get out oh, okay yeah
1: yeah that's got nine eleven overtones too
0: it didn't when it came out but it sure feels like it now doesn't it yeah yeah um yeah that's that's
1: one that i've studied too and i have a very like i'm very aware of where stairwells are uh-huh. So anytime I check into a new hotel, cause for your listeners, I live in hotels and Airbnbs. I'm basically Eloise. And so whenever I go into a new room, there's a map on the back of the door and it tells you where the nearest stairwells are. And I always mental note them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think nine 11 knowledge was a part of that. Cause I realized that they're just the safest places in yeah. a lot of different levels, earthquakes, fire, just anything like the stairwells on a hotel. I stayed in, in superior Colorado, recently burned to the ground in a wildfire and oh, I had wow. just stayed there. It was like weeks after I had left. So I no knew kidding. the building well. And the only thing that was left standing were the two stairwells. <laughs> so the I, evidence is there.
0: I often take the stairwells instead of the elevators uh, do when I'm staying places, uh, partly because I hate elevators. <laughs> I'm just not a big fan, uh, but also it's good exercise and it has that added bonus of, you get very familiar with where they are, how to get to them real fast.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And elevators, again, like raised in earthquake country, there's just been too many instances of, you know, people getting stuck in elevators. And if there's an earthquake and like, I always am afraid the damn thing's going to fall down. Like I just, that's where I get again. Like if I have two options, they're both fine. Might as well take the stairs because you never know. And it's the safer of the two in a bunch of different ways. So it's just these little calculations all day, every day.
0: I got stuck in a uh, elevator when I was like three years old in the uh, TVA power plant in Tennessee with my uncle and, and, I was scared of elevators my whole life, and until my mom reminded me of that, I didn't know why. And then I was like, "Oh, so that just imprinted on me that elevators are bad."
1: <laughs> oh, fascinating! It's yeah. It, yeah, it's interesting. You've gotten trauma for that, and yet the tornado, not the you're tornado, like, chill. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I,
1: I can know. see that though, because that's what would be scary about a tornado, right? Is like getting stuck and not being able to get out, and relying on other people for your freedom. Like, it's not the tornado itself. It's scary. It's not the moving of the air. It's the getting hit by something and getting trapped by something.
0: Yeah, I I think I was the only tornado I ever felt scared of wasn't actually a tornado, uh, but it was a tornado warning. And we all went in the bathroom uh, in my house, and the wind was louder than it had been in the actual tornado I had been in. And yeah. I don't know if that was because our house had thinner walls than the school or, or what, but it was the noise, right? It was the noise and being in a small space, whereas in the school, I was out in the regular hall and it wasn't as loud. So it makes sense.
1: Yeah, the roar. Well, and the roar depends on the, the Fujita scale, like how big of a tornado it is. Like for mm-hmm. your elementary school to have its roof ripped off, like that's bad, obviously, but that's not an F5, mm-hmm. you know?
0: No, because um, the walls stayed up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was no one should be afraid of that <laughs> just come on <laughs> yeah an f2 shut up
0: <laughs> oh man if i only had had those words when i was seven years old <laughs>
1: <laughs> have you ever wanted to go tornado chasing i
0: uh I, I have gone tornado chasing, uh, but not to much success. Uh, I had a friend mm-hmm. uh, who still does it in Southern Illinois. Uh, and we went out, you know, driving around on country roads, you know, trying to get a sight of it. Uh, but we never really, I think we got to see a funnel cloud forming in the distance once, but it didn't finish. It didn't touch down. It was the closest we ever got. What about you?
1: Well, I definitely want to do it. And... um I accidentally ended up in a situation where I did see a tornado on a highway. It was it was actually not I was on my way to Illinois. Um I was going from Boston to Illinois with my cousin's family. And I'm so angry that my comp- my camera was in the trunk. But we were just driving along and the weather was crazy. Like m- massive thunderstorm. It was the whole time we were driving. Mhm. And at one point, we're in Pennsylvania, and the emergency broadcast system comes on, and it says, Tornado Warning for Mercer County. And my Uncle George is like, where the hell is Mercer County? And then we see this sign that says, Welcome to Mercer Mercer County. Oh, no. So he's like, God damn it. So like he guns it, Uh, because we could look up, and the sky was moving. It was just like, you could see it. And I was just like, you got to go. Was it green? it wasn't really green. It was just the pace of yeah, you those could just clouds see the, moving. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. could see it, and it was right over us. And so he guns it, and it dropped on the freeway behind us.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah.
1: So we could see the top of it, and then we went around a corner, so we never actually saw it hit yeah. the freeway. But like it it was there. So, um, I think
0: that counts. You may not have been meaning to find it, but you definitely found one.
1: Yeah, it wasn't chasing, but that's where I, ever since that happened, I was like, you know, I would love to watch these from afar to mm-hmm. see the whole thing form. Cause just being underneath it like that, it's the, it's the forming of it that I'm really fascinated by the way it drops out of the, the shelf cloud and, and all of that. I'd love to watch the whole process. Cause I also love to watch thunderstorms build and I like that part of it. So I do want (laughs) to, I do want to chase them, but I want to be wicked far. I don't need to be one of those people. That's like, let's see how close we can get. Like that's not it for me. Tornadoes
0: move fast enough as it is. I don't need to be close. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm legitimately thinking about going to Oklahoma in May, my editor, um, Daryl Darnell of pro podcast solutions. I love him very much. He lives in Oklahoma and we've always talked about me coming there during the spring. And that way I could stay in one of the Oklahoma city, like towers. Oh wow. Cause I imagine from a tower in some direction, you're going to see something, right? <laughs> yeah. So I kind of want to do that for a month and just see what drops out of the sky.
0: Yeah. One time I was, uh, I was, when I was living in Austin, uh tornado came through and everybody saw it but me because i took a no, nap no i took a nap and f- slept through the tornado
1: do you have any disaster friends like people that will text you when there's a da- disaster somewhere you need to know about
0: uh, just my 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 tornado chaser friend in Illinois, you know, will always talk. Uh, he he keeps tabs of what's going on out here and asks me like with fires and stuff. Uh, and vice versa, it tells me when they're having floods and and everything out there. Yeah.
1: Oh, see, I'm talking about something a little different. Like my okay. friend, my friend Ryan. I love him so much. Anytime there's a disaster that's worth my time, doesn't matter if it's anywhere near me. It's not about oh, safety, just like, but like, on,
0: hop online. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. like. There there was a tsunami warning in Hawaii where we used to live, and it was like three in the morning, and he just knew like it's okay. I want to be woken up for this,
0: wow.
1: <laughs> so we're disaster buddies, and we no. like make sure the other one knows.
0: Yeah, I, I don't I don't have a network like that. So much. I, I think Mark does occasionally. Well, you do
1: now. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Oh, You're
0: welcome. I'm honored. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I think Mark sometimes will send me stuff that's not where we are, but mostly it's 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 local stuff. I, I it occurs to me that we're talking mostly about natural disasters. I think the nuclear stuff is the only thing we talked about that was man made. Like, and and I think there's another line there of I'm not as interested in certainly fictionally I'm not as interested in like a riot or yeah you know uh something like that. in real in real life I'm interested in it from the aspect of like news and you know what's going on. But it it's not the same flavor of fascination uh with with human caused things, directly human caused things. So climate change is human caused, but it's yeah. kind of, you know, not something we're doing every day. It's something we unleashed.
1: Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I don't get, I don't find them as fun because it's not just like a random occurrence of nature. It's something that can be prevented and because of the stupid decisions of leadership like keeping in mind i do congressional dish for a living so it's stuff like you know atomic war and current wars like we're afraid right now of the power plant in ukraine mm-hmm. the russians and ukrainians are all doing all kinds of missiley things around that power plant it's like stop it stop it you can you can <laughs> children, you can make chernobyl children. happen yeah Seven, stop it half. and i don't find that as fun because yeah. it's in the, the movies I like, the people that are the good guys. So, like in Volcano and those movies, like the scientists are doing their best to warn people and to do the right thing and to help people. So, to have the storyline, which is all too true too often, of people making bad decisions that risk people's lives because of their political nonsense, like I don't get any joy yeah. out of those.
0: I mean, and I guess like a movie like Die Hard has the same level of destruction as some disaster movies, but it's, and I'm not even saying I don't like Die Hard. I, I do, but it's not, it's not on the same level. It's not the same thing.
1: Mm-mm. No, I'm not into destruction for destruction's sake. Yeah. Like definitely not. It's, it's a natural disaster thing for me too. And mechanical failures. So like, I think I've seen every plane crash documentary that's ever been created. Um But the same stuff applies. Like I get, I feel better when I'm flying. Yes. If I understand how the planes work, if I know, like, I always sit in the back of the plane, even though I'm a Southwest A-list member. I can sit in the front anytime I want to, but I sit in the back mm-hmm. because I know that your odds are dramatically incre- increased in a crash if you're in the back of the plane as opposed to the front. Um, just, I have all this little knowledge and I just, I know now because of those things that if, If there's a wing on the plane, you're probably maybe okay. Like, even an engine (laughs) can fall off. But if the wing's there, you're all right. Like, just knowing this stuff takes – it gives me a sense of control. Even though I'm still out of control, I have more hope when I hear a weird noise
0: or – or whatever. But multiple pilots listen to this show and I, I want to thank all of them. Uh, I will not try to name <laughs> them all, uh, because they all have gone out of their way in different ways to say, Hey, do, do you need reassurance in, in understanding how a plane works? They all want to help people get over the fear. Uh, and, and I've learned some stuff from them for sure. I am the same way where. You know, and I'm probably wrong about some of the stuff I'm about to say, but I, I, I think I, I read that, you know, the, the crashes are more likely to take off t- to happen at takeoff and landing than they are, mm-hmm. you know, cruising through, through air. So I relax myself at takeoff and landing because it's tense. You know, if you're tensed up, you're more likely to break a bone. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I just, I, I think about it that way and it does calm me down. I'm, I'm the same way like ha- having knowledge about it calms me down
1: yeah I remember um I used to get like I didn't fly as much as I do now and I sat in the front a few times and there's this little noise that happens at takeoff it's like a oh boom. Uh-huh. and I always think birds like we just cr- <laughs> crashed the birds like yeah bird strike we're dead and then I realized it was the wheels uh-huh. going into the plane Hitting, and yeah. so yeah, so that anxiety hit that I got every time just went away with knowledge.
0: Once you knew it. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, I I think there's a clue in the fact that it's things that are out of our control for the most part that are appealing for me in disaster stuff, right? So, even the nuclear bomb stuff, it's it's a little bit of like so, so stuff went so bad. That so many got launched that there's nothing you can do anymore, certainly the mechanical failure is like not sabotage, right? It's something just broke, something you know unexpected happened, and the rest of everything we're talking about is totally natural, just volcanoes and tsunamis and and everything like that. and I think that is the thing that is both fascinating and comforting for me is that there's not a person to point at who did this. Uh, Mm -hmm. and so it kind of cancels out all of these avenues your brain could go down and it, and it becomes just, all right, like you were saying earlier, how would I deal? You know, what would I do?
1: Yeah. And that's true. Even with stuff like plane crashes, like even if it's a mechanic that didn't put the lug nut on or whatever, even in those situations, it's very rare that it's sabotage or someone doing it on purpose. Mm -hmm. And what happens is, it's awful obviously every time a plane goes down but every time a plane goes down and it's because of mechanical failure whatever that failure was gets fixed and so it's fascinating to watch these shows because so many of them my husband's an engineer which is why we watch so many and we watch them find the problem which is fascinating in its own right and then we see like this was the law that was changed and this Mm -hmm. is what they do Mm -hmm. now and there's comfort in that too knowing that This was a problem until this horrible thing happened, but now it's fixed.
0: That reminds me of, of covering security vulnerabilities. It, it feels like every security story I read is trying to set your hair on fire that they found uh, a vulnerability in something. And I'm like, no, every one of these is good news Mm -hmm. because it's the bad guys don't report that they found the vulnerability. It's the the security (laughs) researchers that do. And when they find it, that means they fixed it. Uh, you know, same, same goes for airplanes. And even then, even if it's a, like, oh, a mechanic f- forgot to put a lug nut or, you know, something more m- m- practically true than that, it's not somebody who was doing something wrong at the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's not I think one of the, the the scariest plane crashes I I ever uh read about was was the depressed pilot who just crashed his yeah. plane into the into the mountain. It's like that's, that's, the side that's of the way mountain. more frightening to me.
1: Me too, because that's just luck of the draw. There's nothing to be learned from that. There's nothing. Yeah, that one. That's one of the few ones that would give me nightmares. And it's that's the thing. Like so much of this is why I don't like the nuclear war stuff, because it's just humans being garbagey. And if we could fix that, then I mean, our society is better in a lot of different ways. (laughs) But that's the most frustrating one is that like humans just are garbagey. So yeah, yeah. What do we do?
0: Ah, we're garbage that rolls uphill, though, right? Like, somehow. I don't know. We keep... I mean, (laughs) if if you take the long view, Jen, you know.
1: Well, so I am, because I'm listening to this Dr. Lucy Jones book, and before that, I listened to one about um, mass extinctions. So my brain really is on these giant timetables.
0: That's too long a view, yeah, because you don't want to be the dinosaurs.
1: (laughs) Well, and... The thing is that the dinosaurs didn't go burning the previous dinosaurs (laughs) and changing their climate so fast that they might not be able to grow food.
0: (laughs) I had never thought about that. How insulting is it to the dinosaurs? They're like, we are already extinct. And then you're going to use our remains to make yourself extinct? (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess it's kind of fair. (laughs) (laughs) It's the dinosaur's revenge.
1: Dinosaur karma, right? there. There's a
0: disaster movie to be made there, for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like Jurassic Park meets climate change.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Time-traveling dinosaur revenge.
1: (laughs) It's our billion-dollar Do you consider
0: Jurassic Park to be in the disaster movie genre? I never thought about that. I mean... I mean mean any of the good ones.
1: (laughs) I do. It's one of my favorite movies. And maybe there is a disaster aspect to it because it is playing with the forces of nature by grabbing that DNA and making these animals come back um there's that aspect to it so but i wouldn't put it in that realm i guess we
0: could it it is yeah it's 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 sort of man-made but then once you get past that it's natural disaster
1: i mean you're being hunted by an animal so i don't i don't know how much different that is from a movie about being hunted by a pack of wolves
0: yeah they're just much bigger animals than anything we have.
1: yeah they're like old reptiles yeah i I was
0: i always warn my dog not to mess with the little dinosaurs when we see the ravens and grackles and stuff
1: (laughs) i know some of them really do look like dinosaurs
0: yeah Uh, all right uh well i always like to end these episodes uh with a little bit of a word game are you are you are you in
1: yes of course all
0: right it's very simple it's called this or that uh I'll, i'll give you two things and you just tell me which you would pick and why okay fun all right here we go uh some of these are congressional dish themed but not all of them. <laughs> okay. The first one is roll call or voice vote.
1: Roll call cuz I don't know what voice vote is.
0: Voice vote is acclamation where they just say, you know, the eyes have it.
1: Oh, I thought you were talking about publications.
0: Uh, (laughs) oh that's a that's funny i should have anticipated that yeah
1: um still roll call because i want to know how these people are voting
0: (laughs) right right because you can't be anonymous uh faster slow zombies oh
1: probably slow zombies because faster just sounds bad Mm -hmm. it sounds like they can outrun me and get me
0: yeah okay so you're taking the i can get away from the slow zombies
1: I guess. Zombies are one of those things that I don't have knowledge of Uh because I don't watch any of those shows. So I feel like Walking Dead people have all these theories right now that I just don't, I haven't thought
0: it through. This is one that I ask a lot of people about. And it's interesting because your response is a common one, which is, well, I want to be able to get away uh, thinking about it from a personal point of view. But then some people talk about it from the entertaining point side of things of like no i want Uh, i want the i want the fast zombies they're they're more fun to watch
1: so like twilight zombies just Mm because they're speedy
0: the uh yeah 28 days later i don't know if you ever saw that Mm -mm. the thing
1: about zombies for me is i just don't want to get bitten by one so it's always a runaway situation a a
0: perfectly legitimate answer to faster slow (laughs) zombies is no neither i want no zombies no
1: zombies well you didn't tell me that was an option (laughs) yeah
0: uh beer or wine Uh, beer. I'm allergic to wine. Oh, really? Is it the is it the tannins thing, or is it something else?
1: Yeah, I can't keep them down. It Mm -hmm. sucks, but I like beer, so it's fine.
0: All right is there is there a another alternative I could replace wine with that would keep Uh, vodka? Beer or vodka, then.
1: Yeah, I drink a lot of vodka. Probably vodka.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah, you can vodka and soda. Yeah, little boiler. Oh, you can. But if I don't want to drink wine
1: because I don't like barfing, I certainly don't want to do that.
0: (laughs) Uh, C span or C span two.
1: Um, C span one because C span two is generally just the Senate, and so the house is see span one plus anything else that's going on you
0: get all the it's good just, stuff yeah.
1: yeah yeah and plus the house is full of all the crazy people they're just more <laughs> fun to watch
0: <laughs> you've got a larger population to choose from so you're going to get more characters it makes sense
1: oh for sure yeah, yeah. uh
0: savory or dessert crepes
1: savory 100% mm.
0: that was a, that was no no doubt there what's your, your oh, go to yeah.
1: I actually am not someone who does a lot of crepes. I just Mm -hmm. like savory things in general. I don't have much of a sweet tooth. Thank God. Okay. All right. Because I have enough of a savory tooth to keep me (laughs) on Weight Watchers for like the better part of 20 years.
0: (laughs) Earthquake or volcano? Volcano.
1: Mm. Because there's signs. Like if you're paying attention, there's uh-huh. usually earthquakes before. In Kilauea's, in Kilauea's case, I mean, you could have just sat there and watched it you eat your house from yeah. twelve feet away, and like you're fine. Most so, lava yeah, moves
0: pretty slow. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, the volcanoes that have the big explosions, like a Mount St. Helens mm-hmm. situation. Um if you're paying attention to the warnings, I feel like you can get far enough to also see it.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Another that's benefit. You can't really watch an earthquake.
1: Uh-uh, it just happens out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and a lot of times, you know well, and you can't prepare your own space, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like in my own spaces, I know not to have a picture that's framed above my bed, but in a hotel, do they know that? Like a lot of times I'm just mm-hmm. not in a space that I designed and I'm at the whims of whatever they decided to do.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking at all the uh, the books on the bookshelf behind me.
1: I looked at that too. You have something framed right behind your head, but then you also have a, like a stuffed animal there. So it's,
0: this is just a flimsy calendar. So most uh, of the stuff okay. is all right. Yeah,
1: I mean, maybe the mugs could come flying at
0: you. Yeah,
1: they're above your head.
0: the The shelves themselves are are secured, but yeah.
1: Well, that's the main thing, and so many people. Don't do that. I was a um, property manager on the LAX runway for too long. We had 444 units, and so I got to go into people's apartments all the time for various reasons. And I couldn't believe the stupid things that people did. Like almost no one had their shelves bolted. But so many people had like pretty vases on shelves above their bed or um, they'd have glass shelves above their desks or above their couch. And it was just like, oh, my God, these people are going to die in the next big one. But Do you know what I have above one. my
0: bed or and my couch? What? Nothing.
1: Good. (laughs) Nothing at all. And is that because maybe because you are disaster aware? (laughs) Because
0: I don't want anything falling on me. Exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's funny. Some other people uh,
1: don't think about it.
0: uh, You brought up Mount St. Helens. I I I should have thought of this when we were talking earlier, but uh, that was another formative thing: is watching the documentaries from the people who shot in Mount St. Helens. They were just out with camcorders doing hiking videos, and we watched those in school, like shortly after it happened. Uh, Oh, cool. Yeah. That's fascinating stuff to look up. Uh, Okay, back to this or that. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Why?
1: Because they're just more fun. Um, (laughs) My little eight-pound dog travels with me, and it's great, too, because she's a little hair dog, so I can bring her everywhere. Like, allergies are not a thing. I don't Uh think... I mean, hairless cats are kind of (laughs) weird-looking. There are no normal-looking hair cats, as far as I know. But I like having a pet that wants me around.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I I grew up with cats. So I, I grew up a cat person, but uh, my wife introduced me to the world of dogs, and now I'm totally dog. I've totally switched. Really? My name. Yeah. Do you have one? Oh, yeah. There's uh, Ray the dog, J- German Shepherd, laying right over there. Oh, uh, nice. Snoring away.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're good little buddies.
0: Uh, Senate or House? House. You kind of answered this one already, actually. Yeah.
1: Um, I don't think so because it's actually the opposite. It's not necessarily that the House has all the crazy people. Oh, okay. It's because the House gives me the most hope for us being able to make a difference because Mm. we can vote all of them out and vote new people in every two years. Mm We're in the Senate. It's a rotation of a third of the Senate every two years. Um, But there are opportunities for mass firing there and for massive nonviolent change that I, it inspires my work every day. Knowing that I that's am
0: on board with your anti-incumbent like prejudice where I'm like, if you're an incumbent, you're going to have to work twice as hard to make me want to retain you.
1: Yeah. And that's an attitude that could change with me. If I see a Congress doing a good job, I just have yet to see that.
0: Well, yeah, that's why I said you have to work twice as hard. Like I'm not saying I'll never vote for an incumbent, but I'm going to Assume I'm not voting for the incumbent unless I see a very good reason.
1: Yeah, so in that. the primaries, at least. Because yeah. unfortunately, a lot of times it's incumbent or a version <laughs> well, yeah. of the devil.
0: <laughs> so
1: uh, sometimes you have to pick your poison.
0: Final one here, hot or cold?
1: Uh, definitely hot. Um, my you definitely teeth chatter. This well already, I know, oh, I, know. I have. And one of the reasons is my teeth chatter. Like, I look very strange when I'm cold and I can't talk and it's it's an awful feeling. So I'll deal with being sweaty any day as opposed to that.
0: Well, Jen Briney, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for being willing to do this. I had so much fun.
1: Willing. This is like the most fun podcast I've ever been on. <laughs> so thanks for having me. <laughs>
0: uh, before we go, let folks know where they can find Congressional Dish and anything else you've got going on.
1: Yeah. So Congressional Dish is everywhere that podcasts are found. Um, But congressionaldish.com is where you find my show notes. That's where I earn your trust by giving you all my sources when I tell you things because who am I? And then I have another really fun podcast you might be interested in. It's called We're Not Wrong with mine and Tom's mutual friends, um, Justin Robert Young and Andrew Heaton. And it's three people that are always friendly to each other, talking about politics and, you know, stuff that's going on in the world. And we really disagree all the time. But it's not a mean debate type thing. Like we are honestly issues based and not partisan, and, and I, I just adore those boys so much. So we're not wrong, is what it's called.
0: I'll, I'll end my my uh, recommendation of We're Not Wrong. It's it's fast become one of my favorite listens because of oh, what you're great. talking about. Where you'll say something, and Andrew Heaton will just cringe, or vice versa, or Justin, and yet you work it out, and it's so fun to hear that, and to to be like, look, people. You can do that. You don't have to like yeah. throw things at each other. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, we don't take ourselves very seriously at all. In fact, we laugh our way through some pretty serious conversations. Like the topic will be so serious and yet we're giggling the whole time. It's um and I love our different realms of expertise. So I'm government, Justin's politics, and Andrew is Comedy, history, libertarianism, like being in an Oklahoma and like he's just a unicorn in this world. And I say that in the best way. He's just <laughs> unique. And so we're all just so unique in our knowledge and experience that it's the conversations are they're enlightening for all of us. I, love I it.
0: consider you the three branches of political podcasting. You are the Congress. Justin yeah. is the executive and 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 Heaton's the judicial Branch,
1: yeah, you know that's fair. He's the son of a judge. Yeah, that's really good. I like that a lot. I'm going to steal that, Tom. Maron. Please do. Please
0: do. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Well, thank you again, Jen, and uh, thanks to our producers, Jen Cutter and Anthony Limos. Thank you out there for listening to this show and telling your friends about it. You can get an ad free version of this show with ACast Plus. Click on Access Exclusive Content at a dot com. We will have a word with you next time.